Hello friends, I hope you're doing fine. This is the new episode of Volume with a special guest which is Ali Rotsi. Ooh, thanks for having me today, Mersad. I'm really flattered to participate in your podcast, man. Okay, thank you so much. So, uh Mr. Rotsi Uh, what brings you here today and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself well if I want to tell you guys about myself I should tell you that my name is Ali Otsi I was living in Iran rashed yeah. for almost all of my life 26 years and since last three years i've been living in australia trying to continue my education on masters of education and mm-hmm. what brings me here is i think well, what is your a, education what is your field of study oh well it's called education which <laughs> is <laughs> which is actually a very nice question because i always get that and yeah. uh the way i trans- try to translate this field is how to teach teachers how to teach if you will yeah. and if i want to tell you why i'm here today in this podcast with this subject of yours i think i should tell you that we all have lived in a country and and we all have seen what mm-hmm. many things have been done to women to yeah. our mothers to our sisters to our friends during yeah. the years and i think speaking about feminism can enlighten a, a lot of things about this and yes. i'm really glad to be here today okay thank you so much yes of course we are going to talk about the feminism which is a very hot issue and it's a current affair uh although it doesn't uh remain just an affair but uh we are going to actually enlighten the past of our audiences to apply those principles in their life to actually experience the actual freedom rather than just the philosophy of feminism and just and uh, coining the terms and talking about it so uh yes this episode is uh, is uh, dedicated to feminism and its history and i mean possible uh solution how to uh how to actually uh address those uh problems and difficulties uh in feminism and uh so here it is some questions for you uh so just tell me could you please just elaborate the feminism history and its related movements yes of course that's actually a very good question because we can't know anything about feminism unless we have something about its history so 
The term feminism can be used to describe a political, cultural, or economic movement aimed at establishing equal rights and legal protection for women. Feminism involves political and sociological theories and philosophies concerned with issues of gender difference, as well as a movement that advocates gender equality for women and campaigns for women's rights and interests. Although the term feminism and feminist did not gain widespread use until the 1970s, they were already being used in the public parlance much earlier. For instance, Catherine Hepburn speaks of the feminist movement in the 1942 movie Woman of the Year. Oh yeah, Both. okay, very, very good. Yes, okay, just okay. So the feminist movement just goes back to 1942. Yes, exactly. But we also have many other people who have worked on this feminism. Already? According to yeah, of course, of course. Okay, good, 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 good. i actually I will give you a lot of details about feminism today. Perfect, perfect. I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Okay. I'm... Yes, thank you for that, Mirza. So, yeah. according to Maggie Hum and Rebecca Walker, the history of feminism can be divided into three waves. The first feminist wave was in the 19th and early 20th centuries. The second was in the 1960s and 1970s, and the third extends from the 1919s to the present. Feminist theory emerged from these feminist movements. It is manifested in a variety of disciplines such as feminist geography, feminist history, and feminist literary criticism. How perfect, okay? Well, so, what feminism... Pardon? What are those, I mean, feminist... Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. So, feminism has altered predominant perspectives in a wide range of areas within Western society, ranging from culture to law. Feminist activities have campaigned for legal rights, such as right of, rights of contract, property rights, voting rights, and for women's right to bodily integrity and autonomy for abortion rights and for reproductive rights. These include access to contraception and quality parental care, for protection of women and girls from domestic violence, sexual harassment and rape, for workplace rights including maternity leave and equal pay against misogyny and against other forms of gender specific discrimination against women which will bring us to the three waves of feminism oh well, yeah okay very good okay those are very uh i mean i'm i'm listening to a lot of very good details and very it is very satisfying oh well i'm yeah. glad um, to be what, a little help man okay and um, what is what is that first wave well the first wave feminism refers to an extended period of feminist activity during the 19th century and early 20th century in the united kingdom 
a long-legged queen, and the United States, of course. Originally, it focused on the promotion of equal contract and property rights for women and opposition to chattel marriage and ownership of married women and their children by their husbands. However, by the 19th by the end of 19th century, activism focused primarily on gaining political power, particularly the right of women's suffrage. Yet, feminists such as Walterine de Clare and Margaret Sanger were still active in campaigning for women's sexual, reproductive and economic rights at this time. And in 1854, Florence Nightingale established female nurses at that just to the military. Oh, very perfect. Okay. Yes. Uh, is there anything else to add? Well, there actually are a lot of things to add, but yeah, I'll try to be as short as possible. No, it's so okay. In... We've got plenty, plenty of time at our hands. and. Yeah, let's go into the details. Yes, thank you. So in Britain, the suffragettes and possibly more effectively, the suffragists campaigned for the woman's vote. In 1918, the Representation of the People Act 1918 was passed granting the vote to women over the age of 13 who owned houses. In oh 1928, yes, man. In 1928, this was extended to all women over 21. In the oh. United States, leaders of this movement included Lucretia Mott, Lucy Stone, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Susan B. Anthony, who each campaigned for the abolition of slavery prior to campaigning women's right to vote. All were strongly influenced by Quaker thought. American first wave feminism involved a wide range of women. Some, such as Frances Willard, belonged to conservative Christian groups such as the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Others, such as Matilda Jocelyn Gage, were more radical and expressed themselves within the National Women's Suffrage Association, or individually. Oh, American so this, first, so, yeah. Uh, so this this suffrage association uh, was the first movement among those feminist movements. Am I right? Uh, yes, exactly. American yeah, faith, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. American first wave feminism is also considered to have ended with the passage of 19th Amendment to the United States con- Constitution at 1919, if I'm not wrong, granting yeah. women the right to vote in all states, and this was a very great move for the woman because before uh, it, that. It It was a big. It was a. It was a big success for them. Yes, exactly, exactly. And all of these rights that women were able to gain will bring us to the second wave. Oh, okay. The second wave. Yes, the second wave of feminism 
refers to the period of activity in the early 1960s and lasting through the late 1980s. The scholar Imelda Wilhelm suggests that the second wave was a continuation of the earlier phase of feminism involving the suffragettes in the, Uni- in the United Kingdom and USA. Mm-hmm. Second wave feminism has continued to exist since that time and coexists with what is termed with third wave feminism. The scholar Stella Freeman compares first and second wave feminism, saying that the first wave focused on rights such as suffrage, whereas the second wave was largely concerned with other issues of equality such as ending all those discriminations in in those countries. Oh, so they wanted actually to put an end to those biased and prejudiced approaches. Yes, precisely. Yeah, Yeah, okay. The feminist feminist activist and author Carl Hanisch coined the slogan, The personal is political. A beautiful personal is... Political, mate. Yeah, exactly. That's very nice. Which became synonymous with the second wave. Second wave feminists saw women's cultural and political inequalities as inextricably linked and encouraged women to understand aspects of their personal lives as deeply politicized and reflecting sexist power structures. Well, very good, very good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so those are very. I mean, these explanations are very detailed. I like it. Okay. What What happened to the third wave? So the third wave feminism began in the 1990s, and in mm-hmm. early 1990s, arising as a response to perceived failures of the second wave and also as a response to the black <coughs> sorry and also as a response to the blacklash against initiatives and movements created by the second wave third wave feminism seeks to challenge or avoid what it deems the second wave's essentialist definition of femininity which according to them overemphasizes the experiences of upper middle class or white woman. Mm-hmm. Well, a post a structuralist interpretation of gender and sexuality is central to much of the third wave's ideology. Mm-hmm. Third, wave, third wave feminists often focus on micropolitics and challenge the second wave's paradigm as to what is or is not good for females. The third oh. wave has yeah, the third wave has its origins in the mid 1980s. Feminists leaders rooted in the second wave like Gloria Anzaluda, Ben Hooks, Chila Sandoval, Cherry Moraga, Audrey Lord Maxine Hong Kingston and many other black feminists sought to negotiate a space within feminist thought for consideration of race-related subjectivities. 
Oh my God! Okay. Yeah, it's it's also noteworthy to say that third wave feminism also contains internal debates between different feminists, such as the psychologist Carl Jillian, who believes that there are important differences between the sexes, and those who believe that there are no inherent differences between the sexes and contend that gender roles are due to the social conditioning well it it is very it's been i mean it couldn't been better so you just uh, gave me a lot of possible details as you can which is i pre- appreciate that i appreciate that and uh, there are a lot of things but to summarize those things that you have said so uh I mean, the first wave, uh, actually, those were uh, uh, suffrage, yes? Mm-hmm. Am I right? So they were demanding about the uh, equality and uh, uh, abortion rights and reproductive rights as well. Am I right? Uh, yes, you are right. And this is a thing which has been continuing in the second wave as well, uh-huh. where they tried to, you know, build on what previous feminists on the first wave has tried to do and gain more and more rights. Where... Uh, so they, they have, somehow they failed. So that, that is why the... Uh, third way came and play an important role uh, here in for I mean for the uh, for the for the movements for the sake of movements so yes precisely so the, well the third wave also you know mm-hmm. is trying to stand for more and more rights where they are trying to describe women and men equally you know important in the society they so, want so, to somehow so somehow they actually have i mean this third way have i mean the i mean the first and second way uh, honestly ignore uh, other uh, races like black women So it, it was a, was it a kind of, I mean I think it was a kind of exclusion so in the third wave they've included black women so so they, they I mean considered them to uh, bring them and to show them as much as possible to other people for the sake of equality so they overemphasized uh this uh, for the other other i mean people and other genders that shouldn't be neglected yes yes exactly and okay. you know as we already know in that era which we refer to as the third wave of feminism there mm-hmm. are also a lot of other movements especially about races where you have black people brown people white people and other colors and ethnicities you know mm-hmm. trying to gain their civil rights mm, and yeah. consequently yes. the woman's you know feminism activity has got evolved through these kind of you know 
thinkings. Yes. And, okay. So yeah. here it is. Here it is a question. So I, I'm. Just, I was. I mean, during your explanation, I was. I was taking notes and I was thinking about something very. I think it is very important to address. So in the third wave, it says that. Uh, they were actually overemphasizing the experience of upper middle class white women. So here it is the question. As you know, we have a different classes, um, and uh, I mean social classes in uh, in, in countries. So uh, what happens for the people with the uh, middle classes and the working classes? What do you think? I think what happens in this matter is what has been happening through the history to lower class of society where of course they can have some of the rights and everything the upper class are trying for but uh-huh. well what they get is usually you know is the last thing so uh, yeah Unfortunately. Yeah, which I think somehow refers, can be referred to post-feminism era. Oh, where, do we have something yes. like that? Yes, we do, my friend. Okay, <laughs> You'll be surprised. So, yeah, okay. Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yes, of course. So, post-feminism describes a range of viewpoints reacting to feminism. While not being anti-feminist, post-feminists believe that women have achieved second-wave goals while being critical of third-wave feminist goals. The term was first used in the 1980s to describe a backlash against second-wave feminism. It is now a label for a wide range of theories that take critical approaches to previous feminist discourses and includes challenges to the second wave's ideas. Other other post-feminists say that feminism is no longer relevant to today's society. Amelia Jones, in particular, wrote that the post-feminist text which which emerged in the 1980s and 1990s portrayed second-wave feminism as a monolithic entity and criticized it using generalization. One of the earliest uses of the term was in Susan Bolotin's 1982 article, Voices of the Post-Feminist Generation, published in New York Times Magazine. This article actually was based on a number of interviews with women who largely agreed with the goals of feminism, but did not identify themselves as a feminist. Which mm-hmm. is actually a very interesting point because it happens in uh, because as we are speaking about feminists, I think it's very good to put it our on con- in our context, which is Middle East, and mm-hmm. many w- women and mm-hmm. other yeah. genders are trying to gain some 
civil rights while they are not calling themselves as feminists but they are you know playing in the same team if you will so you're saying that uh so i've got a question for you so we do not have any uh, feminist uh, campaign in our country i mean uh and we cannot have it as you know so yeah due to those uh, political restrictions and uh, censorship so but women constantly are demanding their rights through their speech and through their actions and uh, somehow they are i mean forming a, a wave a feminism a feminism wave if i'm sorry a feminist wave so uh in middle east uh and in our country which is iran do you think so uh are we going to form such a campaign like first wave second wave and third wave and uh, with i mean uh very particular slogan uh and with uh, uh special terms and theories and demandings well of course yes but we have a very long way to go as personally i think that we are in the first wave of the feminist activity according to the to its history where women are trying to gain some other you know rights civil rights of mm-hmm. course if we want to compare it to to those three faces we also might have some of the characteristics of the second wave as well where women are free to vote they can mm-hmm. own houses or other things but yet they are not able to decide about their children they are discriminated in the society they have no rights to travel without the approval of their parents or their husbands or partners or whatever and there are a lot of issues going on with the woman in the society which i think is very relatable to the term post islamic oh which yes which uh, i will give you some information about and these two are very li- related together and uh, so i think era you were just talked about the real uh shifting toward the first wave feminism in middle east and in iran so so they are concerned ask, asking about their rights and one of the most important uh, uh things that is actually happening in uh, iran is uh, for women mostly is uh uh is obligatory hijab as you know that so this thing it is the first barrier and this is the first problem they should uh cope with it oh, well you know th- th- there are a lot of tides going on in the country mm. and as as unfortunately the educational frame in iran mm-hmm. is very discriminative 
and is more about how life is going on from the men perspective i think mm-hmm. they have a very long way to go to get to a point where they can they can have very critical you know demands from the government but the hijab is and can also be a start as we already know we had a movement called white wednesdays or something yes, about yes. that yes, yes exactly that's right yeah that's from actually, a symbolically symbolically it's actually the movement uh protesting against uh, uh against obligatory hijab am i right yes well it started as obligatory hijab but it's going to be a more you know particular thing because women started at, as hijab and now they are protesting about their other rights of course mm-hmm. it's not very powerful at the moment because what is happening in the country is that if someone tries to act as a leader mm-hmm. then they will be imprisoned and arrested so yes many people are afraid of the consequences but still they are trying so hard to gain their rights back but so, there is a long way to go unfortunately so uh, unfortunately they are facing the oppression uh, from governments and i mean it's actually governmental oppression so it's act- they are actually uh censoring them and it is it is just uh, a a matter uh, we should actually address it and have i mean I, i i cannot think of any solution right now but uh, i think consistent fight and pro- pro- protest maybe maybe mm-hmm. would be actually a way to get there so uh yeah and i just want to add one thing i mm. think there might be a probable solution and mm. we are using it right now which is mm. technology yes of course because technology in the recent years has brought a lot of attention to a lot of things and a woman through this highly developed technological devices are you know doing a lot of things a lot of positive things and i really hope that they can use it way better than they are at the moment mm-hmm. and yeah technology is helping a lot although we have a very powerful censorship system in the Iran but you can't block the technology anymore yeah all right yes you are right so the te- technology and cutting edge devices uh, are bringing actually right now some kind of uh, diversity in terms of uh, many things like I mean 
uh, how to act in the society, how to change the behavior patterns, and how to protest, and how, and even actually, I think technology is giving people not just only women, but is kind of giving people an opportunity to relearn uh, their uh, the principles of living, and so I think it is very well promising. So. In terms of feminism, I hope yep. this, this 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 is gonna work. So uh, you, you you just just mentioned about something about post-Islamic that I'm really I'm enthusiastically uh, want to uh, listen. What what do you mean by post-Islamic? What is that? Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah. But let me define post-Islamic era first, as it yeah. might sound a bit strange to most of our audiences. Yeah, so, okay. the term post-Islamic was coined by an Iranian political sociologist, Asif Bayat, then associate professor of sociology at the American U- University in Cairo in a 1996 essay published in the journal Middle East Critic. Bayat explained it as a condition where following a phase of experimentation, the appeal, energy, symbols and sources of legitimacy of Islamism get exhausted even among its once ardent supporters. As such, mm-hmm. post-Islamism is not anti-Islamic, but rather reflects a tendency to re-secularize religion. It originally pertained only to Iran, where post-Islamism is expressing the idea of fusion between Islam as a personalized faith and individual freedom and choice and post-Islamism is associated with the values of democracy and aspects of modernity. In this context, the prefix post does not have historic connotation but refers to the critical departure from Islamist discourse. Bayot later pointed in 2007 that post-Islamism is both a condition and a project. So, reflecting on Asif Bayat's manifestation about post-Islamic era, we can identify a significant gap between feminist activities and Islamic movements, where the religious authorities have limited most of the opportunities a woman can have in the society, especially in terms of equality and inclusion, by applying restricted religious rules and passing discriminative laws. But the women are getting more and more aware of the many betrayal activities it has been forced to their lives and many of them are protesting against governments to gain back their civil rights. But unfortunately, they are two waves behind the Western society in this regard and have a oh. long way to go. So, currently, as you say, it was, it's been perfectly said 
uh, and uh, you actually claim that uh, we have. I mean, that's actually, actually, to to the best of my knowledge, as I understood it very well, you said that. I mean, you didn't say that, but I, as I, I want to mention, is uh, like that. Uh, we have to push boundaries toward post-Islamic era, which has not been accomplished yet. Am I right? Yes, you are, my friend. And as we already know, there has been many wars and conflicts in Middle East. And because yeah. of that, many countries in that area has been behind most of the movements in the world. And hmm. I think that's one of the big reasons that we, we, we cannot, you know, align ourselves with what is happening in Western countries because as someone who has lived in Australia and mm -hmm. what I believe that they are under American culture mm -hmm. and I think what is happening in these kind of countries is just not comparable to mm -hmm. our context because they are culturally, economically, socially, and in everything, in most of their aspects of their lives, they are different. And the reason they are different is, as you said, they have pushed the boundaries. Yes, and yes and has brought the change and mm -hmm. have not waited for the change to come oh yes i mean you just just you've just said what you must say and uh i think uh it is related right now to our country and uh we have to do something about it and i feel it not only just uh not only uh, women but also men they have to just uh, crucify this kind of ego with the gender differences and just uh, go uh, to protest uh, for the right to I mean to live better uh, I mean to live better so it is very important I mean they have to I mean demand their uh, living standards which actually right now is very low and people are suffering right now because of uh, many aspects as you just said economically socially culturally education educate educationally and uh, so forth so uh thanks for this beautiful absolutely beautiful uh explanation i really enjoyed this and um if you just let me to finish uh, this episode of podcast uh, with uh, introduction uh, by Hanif uh, Qureshi, uh, which has been written in the book of Antigone uh, by the author uh, Slavoj Žižek. Yes, of oh. course, and thank you for having me in your podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of actually my pleasure. So. Uh, Antigone is a particularly modern heroine. She's a rebel, a refusenik, a feminist, an anti-capitalist, a suicide, perhaps, certainly a martyr 
And without a doubt, a difficult and insistent person, not like some of Isbin's women. More decisive, less irritating, talking circular than Hamlet, but you might say equally teenage. She has blazed through these centuries to remain one of the great characters of literature, of all literature. Is she a saint, a criminal of extraordinary integrity, a masochist, or just stubborn and insolent, or even mad in the sense of impossible to understand. So here it is, my question. As we already uh, read this uh, playwright uh, by Sophocle, Antigone is a, a heroine in that story who stands against, who stood actually against the father, I mean, the, 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 the uh, I forgot, the Korean discourse to actually uh, fight uh, against he, the Koreans' uh, discrimination. So, do you think in our society right now, we need some kind of, um, um, you know, some kind of Antigone or not? Well, yes, of course, we need some kind of Antigone, you know, to raise the attention of others. Mm -hmm. But what I want to say is that having someone like that is just not enough, as we already have many of them, such as Neda Sultan or many others who has you know sacrificed yeah. their lives for the freedom yes and i think what we need at the moment in iran's context is education education and education which will raise awareness about a lot of matters regarding the civil rights of both men and women. And I think the bias we have in this podcast is a woman who could have, you know, brought more light, <laughs> but maybe in next episodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, of course, you're right. Okay, uh, friends and audiences, thanks for uh, listening uh, to us. And uh, I think in the next episode, we are going to talk about all of this issue in Persian language. Thanks for uh, actually uh, your efforts and beautiful explanations. And uh, it was just my pleasure to have you in my podcast. I hope to see you uh, very soon. And if you, if you have something to say, just say it. Well, I only hope for freedom and I hope that someday, a day that all of us are alive, not dead, we can see all the men and women in not only our country, but all over the world, living their lives how they like it 
and I think that's it and thank you thank you very much for having me at your podcast again okay you're welcome see you later and goodbye friends ciao